Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for working through the worship team. It was uh, their willingness to be used by you that helped us all experience you. And now we want that experience to continue. So, Father, would you remove me so that your people can, can hear from you, can engage with you. Let it be the same power uh, that we feel at home, connecting online or present in our church building. It all flows from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, there's a, a couple of things that I want to bring to your memory. Because you may, you might have forgot some of these names, so I'm going to just try to, try to help you out right quick. Uh, the Beatles. New Edition. Destiny's Child. NSYNC. Outcast. Hootie Hoo! Hootie and the Bullfish. No Doubt. Commissioned. I, I am a, I'm a music fanatic. I, I love music. Um, it, it's one of those things that if I'm walking in the store and I hear my song or a song that I'm loosely familiar with, I begin to start singing the song in the store. Or if I'm doing something that takes great focus, but a song comes on before I know it, I'm, I'm still tapping just a little bit to the right or to the left. Music can just like hit a certain spot with me. So I, I have this though, this, this really like love and hate experience with music. See, I love the sound of music. I love what groups can produce when a group comes together and a group usually starts off just amazing. This group is just like selling out. Everywhere you go, you hear their song. And then what happens to most of the groups I named? Say that again, G. Break they break up. Your, your group, the group you love, somehow break up. They all got in it for the love of the music. And then, I mean, Tony, 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 they were, they were brothers. Two brothers and a cousin. <laughs> and they broke up. It's like, what? What happens? How some, something that seems to be all around the love of something can be fragmented? Sometimes music can actually help you see the brokenness of what we call love. But today we're going to dive in our scriptures. We're going to continue to dive in our study of John 15, Abide, and we get the glimpse of godly love what it looks like when loving of one another takes place, but not yet loving of you and I to each other. Actually, the loving, the love that takes place between the Godhead, between God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. So if you would turn with me to an, an unbreakable group, John chapter 15 is where we, where we are. We've been studying these scriptures. It, it has the foundation of, of us understanding who we are in Christ. And thank you, my brother. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We would love to bring one to you or grab it from the Bible app. Uh, if you are 
uh, have one of our white Bibles. Could you tell me what page John chapter 15 is on? 586 is the page that we're on, family, 586. We've been uh, looking, starting at verse 1, we went through and helped, we got the framework, the foundational aspects that, that Jesus Christ is the vine, that God the Father is the gardener, and that we are the branches that are called to bear fruit, and that the gardener at times will prune he at times will refine us, and that that refinement isn't always soft and feeling good, but it is for our good. That, that also uh, we are called to abide in Christ, which means we are called to dwell in Christ, that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We have no ability to reflect godliness apart from being connected intimately to God. But that when we listen, when we draw close, when we align our will to the will of God, watch out. God starts answering stuff. He starts opening doors when, when your language of even how you speak, your language of how you pray, your language of how you seek God begins to line up with his word. God gets excited. He starts to respond to his people. And so today we are going to see uh, 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 an insight or an understanding into as we cling to Christ, as we abide in Christ, as we connect and dwell with Christ, we're going to see what love looks like. We're going to start in verse 9. Verse 9, chapter 15. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, just remembering this term love can be used in a variety of ways. And, and my wife is, is an amazing woman that has a brother that loves her, she has cousins that love her. She has friends and family that love her. But you best believe there's only one person that can say I love you the way I say I love you to my wife. And, and, and so we use even today love in a variety of ways. But there's four kind of biblical ways that you see love used. Eros, which is more towards uh, uh, intimate relations or immorality in intimate relations. So that's eros is one word used for love. Storge refers to love between family members like, like a Ruth and a Naomi, a, a love between family members. Philia, which, which you think of that idea of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, a, a love between family members where where that's deeper, though, it's like a, a bond that is strong that can't be broken. It's a, a deeper emotional connection, kind of like that of David and Jonathan in the Bible. And then lastly, agape love. This love is one that is typically reserved for God. How God loves you, how God loves us, 
agape is, is typically saved a little bit more for that unconditional target of God's heart aiming right at you. And so before we can truly jump into this scripture, I've got to help us understand verse 9. Because it says, as the Father has loved me, do you know how the Father has loved Jesus? Do you know what that looks like? Do you know if that's going to be the basis? Because he then says, so I've loved you. So in order to understand how Jesus loves us, we need to understand how the Father loves him. So stay in that same book of John, flip forward 10 chapters to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, and we're going to verse 19. John chapter 5, go forward 10 chapters. Verse 19, and it says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. Verse 19, the Son can do nothing of his own accord. Nothing of his own accord. Where have we heard that language before? We just last week talked about us having a whole lot of nothing type fruit. You see, Christ does nothing that is not given to him by the Father. The Father is the one who directs the will, and Christ follows the will. He is the one that, that, that moves the will forward, but what it's communicating here is the importance of utter dependence. That, that Jesus Christ is fully dependent upon the Father, and the Father lovingly is guiding the will of Christ. If you want to understand the love of God, you got to understand complete, utter dependence. Not some dependence, not a little bit, not I'll trust you kind of God, but actually all of me you get, Father. I uh, was reading in this this. This statement came up from a woman that worked in a textile mill, a mill that makes like uh, yarn. They use yarn to make sweaters and make uh, uh, blankets and things of that nature. And it said there was a big sign that says, when your thread becomes tangled, call the foreman. A young woman was new on the job. Her thread became tangled and she thought, I'll just try to straighten out this by myself. She tried, but the situation just got worse and worse and worse, and she finally called the foreman. And she said to the foreman, I did the best that I could. He said, no, you didn't. 
to be the best, you should have just called me. You see, to be our best is not to call Christ in when we feel like we can't do enough. It's not to call Christ in after we've simply messed up and we need Christ to repair it. It's to call Christ in in the beginning. It's to show utter dependence upon Jesus for all things that we need, all of our thoughts, all of our ideas, all of our postures. It's a saying, Lord, I lay down all of who I am before you. Why do we need this? We need this because as a As a society, we have a lot of brokenness. We unfortunately, in our community, have a fatherless issue. Not many people have great memories of their father's experience in their lives in our community. I'll say that personally from from my personal Leon survey. I've not surveyed the whole neighborhood, but I'll say a good amount of people I've talked to, unfortunately, that's the reality. And so because of father issues, we have issues with receiving love and giving love. Next week's sermon is going to be about what it looks like to give love. This week is about receiving love. And so if we have issues with receiving love, we must first understand what God's original intention for love was. What did he hope you would experience when you heard the term love? He hoped that you would be safe. He hoped that you would feel as if the will of God was something that you could trust and that you could blindly follow it. Why? Because he loved you and he wants your good. He wants our utter dependence, not because he wants to make up the gap for where you fall short. No, he wants to be able to lead you so that you can avoid shortcomings. And so the hope is that we would begin to experience the love that maybe we didn't experience in our earthly homes. We might experience through our spiritual father. So first, it's utter dependence. But next, in verse 19, he says, uh, Truly I say to you, the son can do nothing on his own accord, full dependence on God. But then he says, but only what he sees the father doing. Only what he sees the father doing. I was sitting home with my wife yesterday, and uh, one of my children was in the living room, and our dining room has an open space. You can go right into the living room. It's not that far. So I'm sitting on our dining room table talking to my wife, and she's sitting there, and my son has a blanket over him, and he's just laying on the floor in the blanket. And we have a bowl of mandarin oranges. So I say to my wife, can I just take three of these and hit him real quick? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just ready. He's just a big target. He's just sitting there, y'all. I'm, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing these three oranges, and she says, nope. Come on, boot. She says, if they see you do it, everybody's going to do it. See, what you model in this house, they're going to follow. Some of my brothers looking at me like, why you ask her? You should have just hit them. Why you? I know, fellas, I know. Look, but you see, you see, some things 
are, are learned by observation, some experience, and Jesus Christ sees the Father modeling love. Why? Because before any of us existed, God loved Jesus. The Father loved the Son. The Son loved the Father. The Holy Spirit loved Jesus. Jesus loved the Holy Spirit. This love experience took place. This, this Godhead, and, and even though I was talking about the group stuff earlier, don't get it twisted. There, we do not serve three gods. We serve one God. Three persons, distinctly different roles, but one God. And in that, the Father is the one who ushers forth the will. And Jesus sees modeled love. From before creation began, Jesus experienced love. I love that, that, that first John, uh, I'm not supposed to say love that many times, huh? I'm excited that First uh, John 4 tells us it's not just a part of how God the Father operates. It is in the very nature of who he is. First John 4 says God is love. And so the Father models love. The Father directs and guides love of Jesus. Continue with me in, in verse 22. It says, for the Father judges no one. You know what? I'm going to read 20 because I want you to get that too. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Models love. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Type of fruit that we have so that we can stand back and say, man, look at God. Verse 21, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Verse 22, for the Father judges no one but has given all judgment to the Son that all may honor the Son. The Father gives so that all may honor the Son. This is a, 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 an amazing thing. You know what, what, what glory is, what honor is? Glory and honor are, are attention. It's focus. It's to, to, to grab your perspective and have you beam in on God. I, uh, I, re I remember this, 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 this Easter when I got fresh. Come on, Kyle, pull that on up for me. I might laugh. I might not. We'll see. Can y'all see that? See that? It looks like me. Maybe if I, if, I pull up, if I pull up my pants enough, you'll know then that that's me in the picture. Uh, I, I remember Easter Sundays, getting fresh for church. Those were days where you got dressed up. Mom got us a suit, had us looking good. But I will say, Easter Sundays was feeding my pride a little bit. I, I did like walking down the street and people would be like, Leon, you looking sharp, boy. Look at you. Cleaner than the board of health, you know? Like, like I, I, I liked that attention. And, and, and the reason why our closets are filled and we don't only own one pair of shoes 
and we don't drive the car until the wheel literally falls off. Is we, 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 like, we, like, we, like, we like a little attention, too. We, we like to look good. We like for somebody to say, oh, man, you just got your hair cut. That's fresh, boy. Where'd you get that? Done? See, God the Father is saying, even though I've created all things, let me allow an expression of my love to be Jesus. You get all honor, too. Just as much honor as I get, you get. We're going to see there be a a worship fest that takes place where honor and attention are brought to you. A beautiful love on full display. But here's the crazy thing. How does Jesus respond when God says, you're going to get honor? How does Jesus tell us to pray? First line of the Lord's Prayer is, our Jesus, hallowed be your name. No. You see this love fest? Jesus sends it back to the Father. Our prayers are, our Father, hallowed be your name. You see this, this, this beautiful connection where the Holy Spirit, who's illuminating people's hearts to accept Christ, to to become reborn in Christ, where God the Father has the will of salvation laid out, and Jesus says, I'm on it. Executes the plan to perfection. So we see this love triangle taking place, and that's the love you were made for. That's the love that humanity entered into, this this loving God who then says, we're going to create people who get to experience that love and also acknowledge it by worshiping. So that grace and mercy is coming your way out of love. And so now, when you go back to chapter 15, And we start back at verse 9, and it says, As the Father has loved me, you know it was out of a love that's utterly dependent upon him, a love that wants to honor and celebrate, a love that wants to see people see that the love was modeled by the Father. So now when we look in verse 9, it says, as the Father has loved me, you know what? The term for love changes. You see, in in that chapter 5, the term for love was was the third term that I shared with you. And I want to make sure I don't mess it up. uh, Was philia. Excuse me. Now, and philia was God talking to himself. Brotherly love. But now the term turns to agape. And agape love always has associated with it an action. So now as you read verse 9, think of love acting, love moving, love on display, love in full force. Love Father has done so that I have loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. A brother that writes for this blog that I like, a site called Got Questions, says, uh, Agape love involves faithfulness, commitment, and an act of the will. It is not just how God felt about us, but it captures the definition of love in action. Agape is almost always used to describe the love that is of God, whose very nature himself is love, and love directed towards us. Everything God does flows from his love. Agape occasionally will be about a person whose love of things or uh, a servant's faithfulness. But love brings forth something. You see, when you have been loved and you've been able to receive love and you acknowledge that this God who created you created you not only to simply worship, but to receive, that brings forth something. That brings forth joy. And I know joy sometimes is communicated as if it's like happiness and delight. And, and that's cool. That's an aspect of joy. But see, knowing that you are saved, knowing that God has redeemed you, knowing that God loves you in spite of anything you've done or anything you've experienced, knowing that God's love is not conditional upon what you say today and what you do tomorrow, that God's love is unconditional. Knowing those things brings forth a sense of joy because you also know who's got you. You know who loves you, who's with you. You know who saves you. And that joy is found in knowing you have a heavenly and eternal reward. So you see, as Jesus is sharing these words, he's about to leave his disciples. He's about to roll out. He's about to start the process of the crucifixion. And he's saying with them, know that you are loved. And in knowing that you are loved, let that be joy enough. Persecution may come. Challenges may come. There may be things that lead you to doubt and question who I am. Know that you are loved. And let that joy lead you towards an eternal peace. See, see joy has a, a definition I like R.C. Sproul said. He said that... Uh, it communicates not only the idea of happiness, but also profound peace, comfort, stability. See, if you know that you're eternally good, some of this light and momentary suffering you can put into perspective. Doesn't mean that it's not real. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. What it does mean, though, is that it doesn't win in the end. That you have the joy of Christ because you know he loves you and those in which he loved, he died for and he atoned for your sin. And so now, eternally, you shall be with him. You see, that brings us joy. Joy of a sense of peace, a sense of leveling, a sense of stability. And so you wonder why in the midst of talking about love, John writes that, that we will have joy, joy will be in you, and that you will have joy to the full. 
because the reality of Christ and what he did on the cross is in you. And that brings a sense of peace. I leave you, family, with, with, uh, with, with just, just a, a, a quick illustration from situations that happen to me when I have, like, some of your kids. Some of my kids and your kids may do life together, and uh, a number of times we'll be out doing something, kicking it, and I'm like, let's stop and get some food. So we stop, grab some food, and, and we'll come up to McDonald's, and I, I haven't, the McDonald's oftentimes will be out of stuff, but usually they have burgers. <laughs> Don't ask for no shakes, though. Goodness. But they'll have food, and they, they, they have usually unlimited amount of food, and so I'm saying, hey, little buddy, like, what do you want to get? And for whatever reason, they'll be like, oh, just, just some fries. Now, 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 I know you're hungry, because we've been running, doing things the whole day. Like, I know, I know you're hungry. Like, well, what, what, what's, what's going on here? Like, 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 and I don't know if it's they're trying to be kind and don't want to seem greedy. Mom taught them, you know, like, don't, don't try to take advantage. But usually I'm like, come on, like, really get some food. And I've, I've, I've unfortunately seen that same type of posture with God's love. That we'll realize that God has infinite amount of love. We'll kind of approach him like, well, I kind of, I kind of got some stuff in my past, so if you just, just give me enough, just a, just a small order, just a, just a subtle extension. I haven't been to church enough or or, or I haven't been, you know, using my tongue as I should, or, or I cussed out somebody in this way. And we come with this baggage, and the Lord is looking at us like, I want to fulfill all that you need. You come with a hunger. Let me fill it with love. But you got to receive it. Notice that in this description, the thing that we understand as, as the only key factor to experiencing this love is belief in Jesus Christ. When you look back at chapter 5, the thing that sets Jesus apart is the fact that he is God. And that belief in him and what he has done is what gets you access. Now that you have access, we cling and we abide and we dwell closely to this Christ. But will you receive love to the fullest degree? Or will you settle for small trickles? With your fruit that Christ wants to be on full display to show the world that he is real and that he is working Will your fruit be small little grapes or vibrant on display? Not because of your greatness, not because I submitted so much, but because I allowed you, Lord, to let your love be on full display in my life. What's working better for you than that? What's working better for you than 
the lavish love of God overwhelming all aspects of who you are so that utter dependence on him is all that we want to be about. Family, I'm thankful for you. I'm also thankful for this last verse. First, I'm going to leave you with is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And it simply says, it says, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were sinners, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Receive this love. Receive it fully. Dwell, abide in Christ so that your fruit can reflect him in every way. But we don't do it to reflect him. But as we draw close to him, we have no choice but to reflect him. Experience that love fully. Let us pray. Father, we delight in you. Whether it was what our mama said to us, our daddy said to us, whether it's our physical ailments, Lord, whether it's our financial situations, whether it's uh, broken relationships we have in our past, Lord, whether it's sin that we need to repent of, whatever it is, Lord, give us the courage to not let it hinder us from experiencing the full love that you would have for us as we abide in you. No guilt, no shame, nothing. Let us just truly experience joy. Sometimes we, we do ask for specific prayers, Lord. We do ask for, for a car because we're trying to get to work or finances to pay for rent or, or uh, somebody has a sick sickness and we're asking for a physical healing, God. There are specific things we ask for, Lord, and we're going to always do that. But Lord, sometimes just you are enough. And that's joy enough in our lives. The fact that we have you, let that joy have an impact on us, Lord. In your beautiful name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You are a person that uh, has not experienced that joy. Not going around happy every day, but you're a person who, who does not know that joy because you do not believe that Jesus has died for your sins. And we offer you the opportunity today. We offer you the opportunity to have a new relationship. First, a new relationship with God. That, that, that his love that he wants to pour upon you, lavish on you, overwhelm you with, that love that he wants to extend to you, he will not force upon you. He'll invite you, give you the opportunity. He does do a work in our heart. You have an opportunity to say, Lord, I accept it. Today, let today be the first day that you accept his invitation to lead you and to love you. If you would like to accept Christ into your heart, if you would like to live for him, if you would like to submit to his way, God has the will set out, a plan better than any of us could ever have. If you would like to trust Christ, pray with me. Repeat after me, Lord, 
I believe in you. Jesus, I know you died for me so that I could live. My sin separated me from God. But Jesus' death drew me back into right relationship with the Father. And I'm grateful. Now I want to live for you. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide me and fill me so I can do that the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you've prayed that prayer, family, and you believe that in your heart, then we welcome you to the kingdom of God, uh, family of God. Uh, we are excited to, to, to someday uh, be rejoicing in the heavenlies with you. Uh, and if that is something where you're like, well, I didn't say it the right way. You said it, Pastor. That's okay. It's what matters most is that your heart believed it uh, as we want to just see you grow in Christ. So uh, we would love to walk with you. Please uh, reach out in our text, submit your info, or call our phone number, 313-444-0036, or afterwards, please come and see me as I would love to connect with you. Uh, also, through that same phone number, uh, 444-0036, uh, we have a time of prayer. And so if you would like prayer, uh, one of our uh, servants would love to be praying with you uh, and trusting God with you.